This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you drive long haul, short haul, or heavy haul, they're here to empower and inspire women in the trades on TNCRadio.live. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in trucking, in the trades, and every profession. We tackle all kinds of topics, and we work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is taboo on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts, champions, and celebrities who can assist women in being the best they can be. Child abuse and trauma leaves lifetime scars and can short-circuit a person's potential and destiny. Too many women have gone through this, and it hampers who they're supposed to be. There are champions and survivors who have triumphed, who are leading people into the light and empowering them. Jana Wilson is one of these people. She's helped thousands with the emotional healing system she created. She's an abuse and trauma survivor. She has a riveting tale of triumph over tragedy in her new book, Wise Little One, Learning to Love and Listen to My Inner Child. We have Jana with us today to learn more about her story and what her book is all about. Welcome, Jana. Thank you for being on the show with us. Thank you so much, Shelley and, and Kathy, for having me. I'm sorry my voice is a little. I'm been under the weather, so I might sound a little strange, but that's why. <laughs> you sound terrific. You know, uh, I'm so pleased you're with us. I see you had an experience at the age of, what, 12 that led you on the road that you are today. If you could, could you tell us a little bit about what you went through and how this happened and how you were able to find a way to lead you out of the darkness? Well, I had two very emotionally unintelligent parents, which let's face it, most of us do. Emotional intelligence isn't, you know, really championed or supported in the world, right? It's IQ, not EQ. And um, I was, you know, my parents were like most of our parents, especially, you know, I'm 57. So they married young, they were teenagers and dad was an alcoholic and mom had lost her father. And he was a, um, he had died when she was 12. And so she really started to derail at that point. And so they, they married, they, you know, were childhood friends and, you know, high school sweethearts and they married and it kind of went downhill from there. And they had my brother and myself and, you know, they were both a good looking couple. And I think they had a lot of high hopes on what they could achieve. And, you know, they just didn't pull it together. And so uh, at the age of eight, my mother put a gun to my brother in my head I said she was, you know, going to kill us because we had been off with our father and his new girlfriend. And oh, we, wow. we didn't know at the time she was in a blackout. Um, I guess my mom never drank, but because of her mental illness, she was bipolar uh, and borderline personality disorder she was given valium back then along along with you know other heavier lithium and other heavier medications but she drank with the valium so i guess she was in a blackout 
in her defense. She doesn't remember, you know, what happened. But after that, we were taken away from her. So that was obviously the most traumatic, up, you know, in the, my formative years. Then, you know, when we were put back with her at, you know, I was probably nine and a half at that point. I'd lived with my grandmother who became a resource. You know, when we have trauma when we're young and we don't have an inner resource or even an outer resource to really help us, we can't navigate trauma. And, you know, normally we become a statistic and I wasn't a statistic because I had a resource, not only with my connection to spirit, but with my grandmother. So the trauma, interesting, the gift of the trauma really catapulted me and pushed me into a really deep spiritual connection. And at the age of 12, where where the book kind of starts in the prologue, I'm sharing about an experience where my mom and dad would be on again, off again. And he had came back and he was beating her and my brother wasn't there to protect me. And I got pulled out of my body and really it was like a near death experience. I'd watched a documentary many years ago and it, it a woman who had almost drowned um, and, you know, in a boating accident had the same experience I described that I had where I was pulled out of my body. It felt like I was one with the stars and the nebula and, And then I heard a voice say, those aren't your parents. I am. That isn't your life. This is. And then I was back in my body. But for that brief moment, I felt a peace that passed all understanding. And I really believe that was the moment that my soul woke up and I, and, and it got me on the path that I'm on today as a spiritual teacher and emotional healing educator for 19 years, I've been doing this work. I've worked with some amazing, you know, teachers and, and such, but yeah, the trauma, you know, we, we tend to think, you know, everything, nothing's inherently bad, all bad, right. Even a cancer diagnosis, even it could be the very thing that wakes someone up to truly living their life. Um, So I feel that way also about my childhood. Wow. I'm uh, speechless. What you went through. That's amazing. And then, of course, your out-of-body experience. And I've heard people talk about those kinds of things. But it gave you the guidance. It was like a divine guidance, wasn't it? It was. I can remember after that because we were very poor. You know, mom, because of her mental state, dad was never around. He didn't support us. But we were on, you know, welfare food stamps and, you know, the the stigma, right, of, of just being poor, let alone all the trauma that I was going through. Sure. But yeah, I I remember going through school and high school after that event. And I had this knowingness. What I know it is now, because I'm a meditation teacher, was it was a higher state of consciousness. I was aware that I was almost like playing a role. And I had to play this role to get out of that town, that small town in central Florida. I'm from the South, grew up very much in the Bible Belt. And, and I, you know, and, and also faced a lot of that too, I share about in the book where I went back to the church, you know, the Baptist church that I went to and I shared with them, you know, my experience. And I was basically told I was, you know, that was blasphemy and I needed to leave. And, oh, you know, wow. they, Yeah, I was shunned from the church. And so there was a lot of heartbreak during that time. But it also, I think what I call, 
it created in me like an inner, I call it my inner dragon slayer. It gave me my voice. I actually, after that event, stood up to my father and um, my mom, by, by my doing that, my mom finally left him and never let him come back when I finally stood up to him. So it was a big, you know, a lot of things happened because of that one event. Good for you. I like that phrase, inner dragon slayer. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I opened my mouth. You know, I was the disruptor in the family. I was mm-hmm. the one that would call out the elephant in the living room. I was mm-hmm. the one that would call out the dysfunction and they wanted me to just close my mouth. I was too wise to be so young. And so, of course, that's where I started to develop this connection with my intuition. And I call that my wise little one. My feeling self, my emotional self is the inner child, because that's when we're children and being conditioned in those first seven years. That's all we are is emotion. Oh, sure. But, you know, I think little ones can see things that adults Mm -hmm. somehow are oblivious to. The the honesty of a child in their observations, when they're allowed to say these things, they are very wise because they have to... They have to observe all of this. This is part of the learning process. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah. one thing. My, my daughter, when she was two, um, uh, came to me, came up to me and told me that she saw me. She saw herself. She saw herself entering me as a, as a light. She said she was floating in the light and then um, saw my, my her dad, my husband, ex, ex-husband at the time, or my husband at the time laying in the bed and she could describe the room and she saw her floating above us and said, yes, I choose them as my, as my parents. And then she saw herself fly kind of float into me. What two-year-old says that? Oh my, oh my exactly. gosh. Right? Wow. Remarkable. That is remarkable. I love it. So, you know, like my, myself being, you know, pretty spiritually aware, I, I, I knew for a fact that it was, it was accurate. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I've had myself a very, at a very young age, uh, the out of body, out of body experiences. And I don't talk about that a whole lot um publicly but it's something that's very real that it's happened to me many 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 times over the years it started when i in my teen years and um seeing the light has always guided me you know and going to different planes and um and i this is one thing i talk about my my meditation is i sing the hue um 20 minutes a day and it is my form of guidance my mom taught me that when i was 14 after being attacked and I was really anxious and struggling. And so she said, instead of singing the Aum, um, to sing Hugh. And so it's a it's a ancient name for God. And so I started doing that. And it's just, it, it's I've been singing it ever since. And it really, really has changed my life. It keeps me balanced. Um, I sing it in the morning or at night or when I'm stressed or in the equipment when things aren't going good. <laughs> and I'm really anxious. It really works for me. So um, you got to tap into that inner source and whatever it is that you believe in um, and find your inner balance. The hue, the sound, the intonation, why it works is because in somatic principle, soma coming from Latin meaning body. So when we hold trauma, I think it's um, Kessler, is it his name who body keeps the score? 
he oh yep yep yeah writes about that and he and chanting is one of the ways so that's one of the modalities that we give when you store trauma in the body because of cellular memory chanting whether it's you or ohm or any you know just humming even uh, mm-hmm. is really good for you know, releasing stored trauma in the body where does yeah, but it so oh, I was okay. just going to say, it's quite shocking when you first leave your body, when you when that experience happens to you. Has that ever happened to you, Shelley? Well, I can share an experience that um, I had. It was throughout my childhood. I didn't know exactly what had happened, but my mom told me when I was about 14, it all made sense. I had an experience where I was feeling very sick. I could not communicate with anyone. I was an infant. And all of a sudden, I'm pulled out of my body. I'm in this place of love, incredible love. And um, I want to say it was more of a male figure, but I'm not sure exactly. But this person who could understand me, and I'm talking, and I'm saying, I don't want to go back there, blah, 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 being the talker that I am. And all of a sudden, for who knows how long, this uh, incredible love and patient person says to me, all right, but it's not your time yet, Shelley. And said my name and said, uh, I have plans for you. All of a sudden, I'm back in that body, not feeling good. Well, I had this experience, and I do believe, and it went through my life as a child, that that was God talking to me. And it wasn't until I was about 13 or 14, my mom told me that I almost died as an infant. And they, she had Rh negative blood which does not work if your baby's RH positive, and she had not had the Rogam shot. So uh, they had to give me com- three complete blood exchanges because her blood somehow I'd swallowed in the amniotic fluid when she was giving birth, and it was killing me. <laughs> so I was in um, yeah. um, ICU and all of that neonatal for two weeks. And the doctor who saved my life worked on me for 12 hours as an infant. Wow. Yeah. And um, mom never told me, I don't know why, but I always had this instinct that God had talked to me. So I would do things for God, not necessarily always for my mom. It would be, you know, God has plans for me and and I wanted to please him. And it it all finally made sense when she told me. So I guess, yeah, that was an out-of-body experience. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. And fevers will often take you into an altered Mm -hmm. state. So it makes sense that that's, you know, you were, and of course, when we're in pre-cognitive, you know, that developmental stage, because you were so young, you're open, right? You're not, Mm -hmm. there's no bias. You're totally open. Well, you know, what's interesting, um, they brought me into my mom uh, in the hospital room. And I said to her as a teenager, I said, that room had wallpaper. Mm. And I described it to her. <laughs> and wow. she, said, she said, you're right. You know, an infant, they barely have really good vision, but apparently it was colorful enough or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, if in the book, I share a story about, well, as a hypnotherapist with Dr. Brian Weiss, I trained with, and in one of my sessions, you know, one of the things we do in regression is we take the client first into utero. And so I knew I was breech. I knew that the cord was wrapped around my neck. I had that knowledge as an adult, but I did not know I did it in the womb. And it made sense to me because, you know, we are 
sentient beings even we're tied to this you know umbilical cord and mom's being beaten she's being she's depressed she's going through all of that i'm being fed all those hormones all those chemicals of stress that she's in and i you know i i, I mean it's fair to say as an in, i mean i'm in the womb and i wrap the cord and i flip wanting to die not wanting to be born you know i i um you know, it's, it happened through hypnotherapy that I saw that vision, but I believe it. I believe that that's probably what I did because I didn't want to be born. I mean, who would want to be born into what I was being born into? Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for more of women road warriors coming up. Industry Movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. We're talking with Jana Wilson, who teaches people how to heal from abuse and trauma with the emotional healing system that she created. Jana is the author of Wise Little One, Learning to Love and Listen to My Inner Child. In our last segment, we were talking about how aware and vulnerable we really are when we're very young and how we can feel trauma at a very early age. I think experts are becoming more in tune with how sentient we really are at Mm -hmm. a very, very young age, and that you carry that forward and don't Mm -hmm. realize it. Yeah, I mean, there's in trauma, we now know that, you know, there's intergenerational trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, the Bible kind of alludes to it when it says the sins of the father are passed down that we pick up, you know, trauma from, from our ancestors. And I set out to be a cycle breaker in my family. And I don't know much about your story, Kathy, but I did look up your, your book and, you know, all that you had been through. And it sounds like, you know, similar, right. You had Mm -hmm. a turbulent child. Yeah. And you just make a decision at some point, I'm not going to go the path that these you know, people who raised me and, and, you know, that they went, I'm going to make a different choice. And I know someone out there has the path, has the answers that I'm looking for. And at a young age, I mean, I was 20 when I really seriously got on a path to healing my childhood and, and looking, and it was John Bradshaw. I saw him on PBS. Do y'all remember him? He wrote, the shame that binds you. He was really big advocate in codependency and 12 step no. programs. No. Yeah. Um, he was very famous. The title rings a bell vaguely, but I'm, I've, I've not read it. Yeah. And he, John Bradshaw, he, he was a wonderful, um, from Houston. Okay. Um, PhD and he'd been on Oprah a bunch. He wrote homecoming it was all about this, you know, really the tools, that it takes to heal your childhood, heal the shame, right? Because the distinction between shame and guilt, right? Shame, I am bad, guilt, I did something bad. When you grow up in a toxic 
environment the way I did, you yeah. really identify I'm bad, like something's sure. wrong with me. I was yep. called white trash. I was called names, you know, that as a child, I didn't understand. Yeah. And then the children internalize that. And that is what guides them, unfortunately, their self perspective into who they become. It's it's so wrong. It is. I mean, you know, but it all comes down to emotional intelligence. If we really, when I created emotional healing systems, you know, based on all the different types of trainings I had done and the work I did with Debbie Ford, with Wayne Dyer, with Deepak Chopra, I, Eckhart Tolle, I, you know, it wasn't anything new. A lot of these teachings are 6,000 years old. And, you know, I just, I knew that there was a path that I could, you know, formulate a system and that if somebody is a functioning adult, right, free from any real personality disorders or anything, that they could use a system with consistency and really begin to see improvement in their life. And that was my whole point. I just felt like, you know, it's kind of this, the story, you know, I made lemonade out of my lemons. And, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. and it's wonderful. So what is the emotional healing system about? Yeah, so it's so we look at okay, so foundational when someone has, you know, trauma, whether it was, you know, developmental trauma is usually what we're dealing with. And so in our society, my husband's a physician. In Western medicine, we really look at top down. Deepak, who's an endocrinologist, he would say that it's we're practicing quackery because quackery you address and you you alleviate symptoms, not root cause. And so for me, I, I, I saw that for my own path, I would go to therapist and I'd feel okay for a while. And, but it was never getting to the root cause of why am I angry? You know, and that was my core, I guess, most uncomfortable feeling was I was just angry a lot. And underneath anger, I truly believe is fear. The course of miracles says there's only two emotions, love or fear. And so I was afraid and yeah. So I, meditation is the foundation. So once, you know, and every thought leader, every person that I really revered and respected kept saying the same thing, meditate, meditate. I had began, interestingly enough, the gift again, Shelly and Kathy of my mom and her mental illness was when she would go into these hospitals and be taken away from us and we would get, you know, shoveled off to family she, they would do electroconvulsive therapy oh, and electro. Wow. Yeah. And it's still done today. Well, mm -hmm. I, because hearing my family talk about it, it was so terrible. Um, I had a really negative connotation on it, but when I worked at the Chopra center in 2007 at, at, um, with Deepak and Dr. Simon, his pot partner, Dr. David Simon was a neurologist. And I explained to him, he was asking me about my childhood and he said, oh, that's interesting. How was your mom when she came home from the hospital after having the electroconvulsive therapy? And I said, oh, she was amazing. She would bring books and we read the Bible and she was reading Raymond Moody and I mean, she astrology and, you know, things that were seen by the church more occult or esoteric and, you know, not, you know, in alignment with the teachings of the church. But she was very open. Well, one time she came home and she brought a big 33 LP and we meditated. It was a meditation record. And 
I believe that our souls definitely contract and connect with other souls. I believe my mom chose in some way I choose because it empowers me. I don't know if it's true, but I always ask myself if this belief or way of reframing or looking at something is empowering. I believe my creator would want that. So I look at my mother's mental illness really as almost like a contract with me to lead me to be the leader I am today in doing this work, right? Because it was almost like she was planting seeds. Um, you know, I started meditating at a young age. Of course, I had fits and starts. I would start and stop and I just wasn't consistent. So here I was in my late 30s. I knew it was time to get consistent. I signed up to become a teacher. I thought, you know, I'll definitely do it if I learn to teach it. So I signed up at the Chopra Center, became a meditation teacher. So the emotional healing system is really in alignment with emotional intelligence skills and strategies. So the foundational skill of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. How do you become a self-aware? Through meditation. We got to create more space in the mind because the mind's producing, what, 40, 70,000 thoughts a day. So we create more space in our thinking and then that's when we get more creative. We're tapped into what science calls the unified field. So we're tapped in to spirit. We, Deepak would say, it's like you eavesdrop on the mind of God. When you are self-aware, you are so aware of what you're doing in the midst of doing it that you can shift. You have free will. Most people don't have free will because they're just a bundle of condition responses, beliefs, reactions from the past, Right. But when you meditate, you have free will because you could be driving along and stinking thinking, I call it, and mm -hmm. catch it Oh, become aware, drop the stinking thinking. As my grandson says, it's hot lava. Just drop it <laughs> and then shift your attention to what you do want to think about, you know, what you're grateful for. And these little yeah. tweaks are huge. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the emotional healing system is foundation is meditation, self-awareness, then how are you going to regulate and manage yourself? So that's the second emotional intelligence skill set is self-management. So we teach that through a, a variety of things. HeartMath Institute, are y'all familiar with HeartMath? No. Mm -mm. no. HeartMath is in Northern California. They've done the most research over 35 years of research on the power of our heart. And just simple, you know, you can be driving along and caught, catch yourself, as I said, in that stinking thinking and just turn your attention to your heart. The electromagnetic field of the heart is 5,000 times stronger than the cranium, which is only, it, it, it vibrates about an inch from your cranium, your mind, your thinking. Your heart is almost three to five feet that's why when you get around people, you know, you're like, oh, they got bad vibes or something. Yeah. You can feel the energy because of the electromagnetic field. So heart math teaches what's called intelligent energy management techniques. And these techniques are super, super simple. I think they're so simple that people feel like, oh, well, that's just too simple. It's got to be complicated. You know, us humans, we got to complicate everything. <laughs> and it's just simple. So you catch yourself stinking thinking, you come to your heart. I always like to say, place your hand on your heart on the left side of your chest, and then just slow your breathing about to the count of four or five seconds on the in breath and out breath, imagining that it's your heart that's breathing as if your nose is connected to your heart. 
And then when you do that, you gain composure, you start building resiliency. So when stress, stressful events, you know, come at you, you're able to, because you practice it enough, it creates what's called heart rate variability, a very clear, coherent field in your heart. So people with um, great heart variability, heart rate variability, which means say your resting heart rate is 65, a good heart rate variability, you would go all the way up to say 90 within a minute. So it'd go 90 down to 60, 90 to 70. It would just keep, and then that helps your parasympathetic nervous system, you know, activate. It helps the vagus nerve, all of this stuff, the polyvagal theory. This is all about getting you out of stress. And for the listeners, it's really simple. You can do it, as I said, while you're talking to someone. You just turn to your heart, slow, deep breathing, and then you can add a thought of something you're appreciative or grateful for, which we call renewable feeling. Feelings like the sun renews. These feelings are very renewable. So they take our inner battery and charge it up. And so heart math is a big piece of this foundation. And then I teach what's called shadow work, which is Jungian shadow psychosynthesis. It's teaching. It's called parts therapy. We're one person, but we have many different selves. The way y'all show up here on the you know, show is different than how you show up with mom, right? Kathy, you were just having a conversation with your mom. You're not going to talk on here like you would with mom, possibly. So, right. Right. Yeah. We have our own language. We're half English, half French. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We had a guest over the other day and it was really strange because she was talking to me in French. I'm answering in English and then another sentence in French. And it's like, oh my gosh, the, the, the guest was like, what? Is that called Frenchlish or something like Spanglish, French language? Franglish, yeah. That's it. <laughs> I, I find that wonderful, though. I mean, you learned another language at a young age, so you could just flip back and forth and not even think about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a blessing for sure. It, it really is. <laughs> it is. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. We're talking with Jana Wilson. She teaches people how to heal from abuse and trauma with the emotional healing system that she's designed. She has some amazing insight. Jana, what you're doing is really a blessing for so many people. I commend you and applaud you for what you're doing. This is fascinating. And I think the timing is perfect. There are a lot of people mm -hmm. who have very low EQ, if you will, today. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think our EQ is getting better as a society. And I agree. Uh, I think there's a lot of anger out there. Mm -hmm. it, it just, there's a lot of emotional trauma. You know, I mean, COVID just 
sent it over the top. I think it was all already always there, but mm-hmm. people are really good at masking and hiding. And and I'm I'm saying this because I did it myself, right? As a nurse and hiding all my pain and you know, all my trauma from everybody. Really good at putting on a great smile for everyone. But um, I think what COVID did, in a sense, as awful as it was, it was a blessing because it it opened up a lot of resources for mental health. You know, mm-hmm. things that weren't available before now um, it is, you yep. know, and so um, and now it what it, I think also what it does, it did. It it opened up the the door for people to give themselves permission to say that they're not OK. Yeah, You know, that it's like uh, it, it's OK to not be OK and acknowledge that. Whereas before, you know, you, you, if you're the breadwinner, well, you're always got to, you know, put that foot, in, put that tough, tough, uh, tough stuff on, on, on the forefront and keep treading on. But now um, it's OK to say, you know what, I maybe I am the breadwinner, but man, I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm having a rough right. go. Yeah. That reminds me, there's a poem by Rumi where he talks about the open secret, that's called. And He's like, you know, and of course he's writing in the seventh century, but he's like in the streets of Istanbul at that time, people, you know, see one another and they say, Hey, how are you doing? And oh, great. How are the kids? How's the job? How's the, you know, Oh, everything's fine. And you go away from these seemingly innocent exchanges with this feeling of like, why does everybody have it together? And I don't, and it's not that we want to air our dirty laundry to everyone, but when we, miss a moment of real human connection and being vulnerable in my book you know it's somewhat of a confessional because I feel like as a teacher one of the greatest compliments I ever get in retreat leader is from you know students and clients who say to me I knew I could heal because you shared you know really the 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 depths of of what I've been through not just in my childhood But of course, the choices I made, because I didn't have self-worth, I didn't love myself, the men I gave my body to, the way that I, you know, showed up in the world and, and that, you know, we are all, I think it was in, um, uh, what was it, Um, the big concert in the 60s, what was it called, Uh, Woodstock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the MC of it, Wavy Gravy, he had this thing where he said, we're all bozos on the bus, even those of us look cool and have money and, you know, but we really are sharing the same human experience. And so when we can be vulnerable and share that and say, hey, no one's arrived. I had teachers who were New York Times bestselling authors who had been on Oprah, who presented themselves arriving. And as soon as I got close to them and I saw, no, that's not true. I learned I don't ever want to do that. If I ever make it to Oprah or anywhere, I'm going to be authentic and real and say, yeah, you know, I have good days and bad days. I have moments of bliss. I have because of this work that I do, but Mm -hmm. I also am still in this human experience and, you know, there's, there's struggle with it. And, And when we share that with one another, I think it, it makes us, you know, more connected. Yes. Yeah. And I think we've lost some of that, even though we're really connected with social media, we really aren't. And it it's always amazed me when you run into somebody or you're just walking along, they say, how are you? It's, it's more of a just an offhanded phrase. If you really tell them, oh, I'm fine. Or you say, oh, gee, I, my day really sucks right now. 
they don't really, really want, want to hear truth? it. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, it's, you it's want amazing. The superficial bull BS or do you want, really want me to tell you how my day is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing how people don't necessarily, they don't really care how you are. It's just something no. that they say, maybe we need to start caring more, you know? Mm, yeah. Uh, going beyond ourselves and caring about the humanity around us. Um, because, yeah, I, I think that we've become more selfish, self-centered, narcissistic. Social media, absolutely. Yes, it really has. No one's getting on there really and sharing, you know, they're, they're glorifying their lives, right? They're putting yeah. the best pictures with filters sure. and the best of everything. And yeah. yeah. So what is your book about, Jana? I know we you've touched upon it, but I thought maybe you could get a little more detail. It's called Wise Little One, Learning to Love and Listen to My Inner Child. It sounds like it's a marvelous book. Thank you. Yes, I've been getting really great reviews on it. It'll be out in July. And um, the whole point of writing the book and sharing my story, of course, was to really let people know for brand awareness for the emotional healing retreats. It's a way of me saying, hey, I've been doing these retreats for 19 years and usually anywhere between, say, 30, and I've had as much as 80 people. So we'd like to grow that audience. And this book was my way of saying, here's who your teacher is, right? More than just a bio on a website is, here's what I've been through. I'm willing to share my underbelly, right? The dark stuff of my life that catapulted me on a path to become who I am today. So there's no shame and, you know, sharing your story and sharing your experience. And the first really probably 30 chapters of the book is the past is, you know, of, of my childhood, what I went through. And I had some very interesting from a young age. What happens when we're in trauma is we disassociate. And so in the disassociation, I would go into my imagination, which the inner child loves, right? They have a very vivid imagination. Sure. And so I, as I was writing the book, I, I knew this, right? I had an awareness of this, but as I wrote the book last year, it really became present that I've been manifesting since I was little. I would go into my imagination and I would create my imaginary world more real than what I was experiencing through playing with Barbies or being in nature and climbing trees. I would use, and then as a teenager, it was through Cosmopolitan magazines. And then I began to manifest. So I, it starts out fairly young. I manifest a concert to see Elvis because my family being from the South, dad was the Elvis impersonator. We oh, lived wow. in Las, yeah, we lived in Las Vegas in the sixties. Dad um, worked at the Golden Nugget. He was beaten by the mob and left for dead. And I mean, they, my parents were pretty interesting characters, you know, think, I don't know if either one of you read um, The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls. Mm -mm. No. A wonderful memoir. One of the best memoirs of all time. I highly recommend it. And so kind of crazy parents like she had, they adapted it into a movie. Um, it was, um, who was it? Woody Harrelson played her father. Okay. And yeah, it was, it was very, the book obviously is always better than how they adapt things to screen. But so, yeah, I just had this, you know, pretty interesting. So at seven years old, I end up at a concert with, to see Elvis with my mother in Lakeland, Florida. He invites us into his suite. 
I mean, I had experiences that a child from such poverty that really didn't have any access to all of this, I would manifest things. And then later as a young teenager, about 15 years old, I had fantasized about going to Costa Rica because all the models were going in, in cosmopolitan. And of course the Noriega, the Contra war, you know, was going on over in, um, right. Yeah. And during that time in the eighties and, um, my mom had a childhood friend who would, he's the one who bought us the Elvis tickets. He would always kind of come through and just want to do something, a big grand gesture to help us. And so he took us to Costa Rica. I ended up meeting the president a week after I get back home. Um, Barbara Walters is interviewing him on the, you know, here I live in a trailer in this small town. I'd never even been out of the, out of the state, let alone the country um as a child and i ended so i have some pretty cool experiences that i know yeah. shaped me and formed me you know and then ended up working and being very close to some really prolific writers and teachers and spiritual leaders and so the journey is definitely so the book is to inspire someone i it's prescriptive memoir meaning it's not self help but i do share there's about 11 small little quotes at the end of a chapter where I give somebody a suggestion, right? Because it's not self-help book. It is truly a memoir. It reads like a novel. So um, yeah, it's, I, I'm very proud of it. It's like giving, you know, I mean, you definitely know, Kathy, it's like giving birth to a baby when you write your book. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hand wrote my book sitting in the truck at work. <laughs> it took a month. It was just, it had to come out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mine yeah. took nine months. Interestingly, when we talk about the baby metaphor, it was literally yeah. nine months. <laughs> yeah, no, I had to, it was, um, it was, it was more like a, 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 a necessity, I guess it, it just, it, it, all of a sudden it just had to come out. Like and a then, compulsion, uh, like you were compelled. Yeah, like yeah. I, and whatever I wrote on that legal pad, I never looked at it again. I have no idea what I wrote on that because then, then I was able to actually sit in front of the computer and focus. Right. Whereas before I couldn't. Yeah. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in Northern Alberta, Canada, she's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry, our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. 
Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. We're talking to Jana Wilson. She helps people recover from abuse and trauma. She's the author of the book, Wise Little One, Learning to Love and Listen to My Inner Child. Jana, your insight is just tremendous. I'm, Thank you. I'm rather awestruck because you're, you're touching a lot of areas that a lot of people don't talk about, but it makes so much sense. And I think that the insight that people can gain by reaching out to you, reading your book, do you work remotely? Um, I think you could be helpful to so many people here. Yeah. So my husband and I just finished filming last week before I came down with this, um, an at-home retreat. During COVID, of course, you know, it affected and people couldn't travel. And we have people who come to Santa Fe from the Middle East, Europe, I mean, all over the world, Canada, and do private work with us one-on-one. So it's usually about a set a week long stay. And that work is in such high demand that I'm booked out until next year. Now, yeah, so that that's like, and it's a high ticket because you're in residence. It's one-on-one. Everything is poured into you. We also do it for physicians and clinicians. My husband's really interested in physician well-being. And so we have something called Healing the Healer. And he, we, we do that as well, but the group retreats are, we do one a quarter. We do them all over the country during COVID. We went down to two only um, spring and fall, but we'll be starting back up in next year doing four. Our next one is in September in Florida. And so we'll choose like a lovely resort where we have relationships because we've been doing these for so long and it's a Sunday to Friday. So it's a, you know, a full Mm. Monday through Friday, people arrive on Sunday, we start on Monday, and we take them through lots of different experiential. So it's educational and experiential. And to answer your question, Shelly, about the virtual, that's our intent for the online retreat, we're going to make it very affordable. It'll be like a a learning, you know, where you sign in um, e learning course, we'll have videos, they'll have downloads, they'll be recorded. Um, processes. When I say process, it's like a hypnotherapy where Mm -hmm. I'm guiding someone back, getting them very relaxed and then guiding them back to memories from childhood. And so it's very deep work. It's not for the faint at heart. It's for somebody who's really serious about doing some deep healing work, right? It's, it's, um, and then all of that is on my emotionalhealingretreats.com website, janawilson.com is the book and it kind of relates you can find me you know you can find emotional healing retreats through janawilson.com as well there's so many wonderful resources i'm looking at the website you've got private intensive group events you've got men's semi-private retreat uh primordial sound meditation teaching healing meditation Yeah. yeah the emotional healing at home retreat this is marvelous and of course you've got Thank your you. book I know that we have to wrap it up here, but uh, where can people find you again? Because you can help a lot of people. I think this is just what the doctor ordered. 
you know, I forgot to mention because you just mentioned it, men. Oh my gosh. So we just, this is a new product. We just started it about a year ago where we bring men. Our next one is in June. We still have one spot available, but men into, you know, cause men are taught to man up and not, you know, they're emotionally stunted yep. in many ways. And so the men semi-private is wonderful. I love working with men. I think growing up with a brother, it just is such a fit for me. So Lance and I both love doing the men's semi-private as well. That's that's a new offering. I totally forgot to say it. But yeah, just find me on janawilson.com, emotionalhealingretreats.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. And um, yeah, would love to hear from any of your listeners. Terrific. I would love to pick your brain for another hour. You, you've got so much insight. This is terrific. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Shelly. Thank y'all both for having me on. I feel honored and I'm very inspired by both of you and what you're up to in the world. So thank you. Well, thank you. This has this been a has pleasure. Been great. Yeah. It's been marvelous having you on the show. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelly Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show, or have a topic or feedback, email us at info at tncradio.live. Thank you for listening to another great interview on tncradio.live. And don't forget, be sure to subscribe to our podcast of Women Road Warriors. It's free. All of the material you hear on tncradio.live on our website, our broadcasts, or our podcasts are copyrighted. There can be no distribution without the express consent of tncradio.live and its partners. For inquiries, write us at info at tncradio.live.